Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander-Inman, board-certified behavior analyst and infant-toddler developmental specialist. Today, please, please welcome Ms. Jessica Spear. Thank you for having me, Teresa. You're welcome. Now, Jessica is an award-winning author of BFF or NRF, which is Not Really Friends, a guide to happy friendships and middle school safety goggles advised. So those are two books that she's written. Her interactive books for preteens and teens entertain readers while exploring social emotional topics blending humor, a dash of science, stories, and insights. Her writing impacts the social stuff that peaks during adolescence. Gosh, such a trying time for a lot of us. <laughs> mm-hmm, it is. <laughs> yes. Jessica has a master's degree in social science- sciences and explores topics in ways that con- connect with kids. Jessica is regularly featured and contributes to media outlets on topics related to kids, teens, parenting, friendships. And for more information, please go to jessicaspear.com. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction. It's great to be here with you. Oh my goodness. You are most welcome. And I really appreciate you being here. It means so, so much. Um, And this topic, oh my goodness, it is, you can't even, it is so invaluable because it's a necessary conversation. It's an absolutely necessary conversation that we need to have because of what children have to navigate these days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I was telling you, I work with teenagers who think they have friends. And then when you dissect and analyze, they realize that, well, maybe she's not really my friend. Like I had that conversation with a young man yesterday because his friend kept, you know, literally throwing him under the bus. I didn't do it. He did. You know, they eloped together from a classroom. But every time it wasn't me, it was him. It was. And I thought, and I had to ask the other guy, is he really your friend? Because he has not taken ownership for anything. Mm-hmm. He's blaming everything on you. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So I think start, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're right. It takes, there's a lot of skills to this, you know, and that's, that's why I write about what I do is because you're right. It, there's a lot to understand healthy relationships, you know, which start with friendships. There's a lot to that. And also, are we, how are we friends to ourselves? You know, so I love that you brought his attention to, hey, is this really your friend? You know, because sometimes we don't even pause to think about that. You know, how are we being treated in this relationship? So yeah, it's it's tricky. There's a lot to it. It is. It really is. And I know for me growing up, my mom didn't, she didn't think that I should have had friends because friends just get you into trouble was her mantra. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> that's an interesting approach. Just avoid yeah. them entirely. Right. Oh boy. Okay. That's one way to do it. <laughs> well, I think what happened one day, my brother came home and his friends were attempting to steal something. And thankfully the police officer noticed that he was not part of that. But they escorted him home. And my mom was like, you know, that's it. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. And I can totally see that, you know, because that's that's a big part of these skills for relationships is even choosing your friends. You know, that you it's it's important to choose the, the, the right group of friends that, you know, you've got the same skills and interests and goals. So so she was on to something. It's it is really important to make sure you find a friendship group that is a really good fit for you. But Miss Jessica, I am 10 years old how do i do that yeah this is there's a lot to it and that's why i i just started writing books on it because it's not an overnight thing you know so we develop social emotional skills as humans you know starting from when we're very little babies pretty much through the course of our lives you know so our families influence that you know school influences that our peer relationships so through all of these things we're learning and sometimes we don't have the healthiest models, you know, so maybe our home life is such that we're not getting great skills on healthy communication or conflict resolution. So, so um, it's, it's not a straight line you know, learning process. There's ups and downs and mistakes happen. Um, but what I wanted to do is put out there, you know, just some, some tools to help, you know, and a framework. So, so what are some of these skills for healthy friendships and, and how do we know whether a friendship is healthy or not, you know, and how do we be a good friend so so there's a lot to it there's not a simple answer there it's just it's a process that we all go through and the more tools and modeling that we can share with kids you know the better position they'll be in awesome and so what are some of those tools like where would you start what would be one of the first things that you would do working with a child to help them determine you know nrf or bff yeah and so uh, this this book grew out of a friendship program that I ran for kids. And one of the first things I would always do is at the beginning, there's a quiz, how healthy is my friendship? And it just brings some awareness, you know, that I feel like if I shared something personal with this friend, you know, they would, you know, they would respect that and they would, you know, not share it with others. Or I feel like this person would stick up for me. Or I feel like when, you know, we have a conflict, we can resolve it in a way that feels fair to both. So just some quizzes and some things to bring their awareness to how is this relationship? But it's also so that's kind of looking outwardly, you know, the next thing we would do is look inwardly, like what kind of friend am I, you know, because we all have strengths and weaknesses, you know, even me as a middle aged woman, there's things I'm pretty good at and there's things I still have room to grow, you know, so, so, you know, how are we with resolving conflict, how are we with speaking up in ways that actually, you know, are helpful and connect rather than divide. You know, how are we with, you know, just sharing our feelings and things like that. So, so all these things come with time and practice. And so my hope is just to bring a lot of awareness to that, because like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. We learn this through practice and through interactions with others and hopefully some really, you know, good resources and models to guide us along the path. Yes. And we know models are so, 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 so important. I keep telling parents, your child is going to become you. So please be careful what you do. Yeah. You're right. And that's how, you know, that's how kids learn, you know, to, to speak and communicate too. So, so what happens in the home is really important. So if there's a lot of name calling and criticizing and blaming in the home, you know, that of course is just going to transfer right to, you know, that child's 
you know, relationship with their friends, you know, so, but if at home, if we try to really watch how we're speaking and to treat people, you know, with respect and to choose our words carefully, um, you know, that, that makes a big impact on how that child will then communicate with those outside of the home. Absolutely. And, you know, because everything we practice at home first, right, before yeah. we go out there. And if we're not, if that practice isn't healthy, then when we go out there, chances are it's not going to be a good out the outcome's not going to be good yeah they just don't they, they don't have the practice you know even for something like conflict resolution if there haven't been some strategies at home how to resolve a conflict in healthier ways you know that's a, that's a skill that's learned it's that we learn and so if that that foundation isn't there you know we can't expect kids to know how to do that just naturally on their own you know with their peers so true. So, so true. Now I have a question. The friendship pyramid, what is it? So this is something that I came up with that kids found really useful because um, in my book, I also talk about friendship truths. And so these are truths that we kind of learn over the course of our lives, especially in the preteen and the teen years, you know, how friendships tend to work. And the friendship pyramid illustrates a lot of these truths. So picture in your head, you know, a triangle or a pyramid. And at the very tippy top, you know, we have our close friends. And most of us just have a few of these. Like that's a pretty small group because these are relationships that are closer. They take more time to develop. There's, you know, really a special connection there. There's trust, um, you know, big part of the pyramid. So the whole middle swath are friends. And, you know, these days, since we have online friends and in-person friends, I use that term really loosely because I think so do kids and teens. So for me, friends are you know, classmates and teammates and neighbors. And these these friendships, of course, are very far from perfect. You know, so, you know, we, we you know, like some of these people more than others. And it might be a real casual friendship. But, you know, it's really important to have a lot of friends in that friend bucket, too you know, because you never know, someday that might grow into a close friend. And then the base of the pyramid are acquaintances. And, you know, of course, there's a ton of people out there that we might see around town or kids might see in their school, but they don't know. So I'd like to share this because what happens often, and we know this as adults, is sometimes we can have an acquaintance that actually goes back up to a close friend, or we can have a close friend that goes back down to an acquaintance. So, so there's a lot of transitions in this friendship pyramid and kids found that relief because sometimes if they have a relationship that feels really close and then for whatever reason that relationship isn't anymore, you can they can look at themselves like what is wrong with me but you know as a person who studies relationships relationships do have different phases and change over time you know, over the course of our lives our friendships change and come and go and so just having this framework the friendship pyramid helped kids see that oh it's not just me you know this is kind of how relationships work they're always you know always changing and growing and transitioning and so yeah that's just a kind of a lay of the land of the friendship um, you know, seen for kids to understand and navigate their world. Awesome. And, you know, I'm just thinking of back when I had, you know, when I was in school and thinking that maybe it would also help to deal with the grief of losing a friendship, you know, the friendship that goes from, you know, the top of the pyramid to the acquaintance part, because then you're like, oh, it's just, it, it happens, you know, yes. kind of thing. 
Yes, because there is grief there. You know, it, it hurts when you have a close relationship and that ends. That's hard and it's awkward. You know, it's very awkward for kids if they had a close friend that they hardly say hi to in the halls. You know, it just feels awkward at any stage of life. But yeah, to, to put that in perspective, that that is not at all abnormal. It, it just happens and it and it's okay. You're okay. They're okay. There was just a transition in that friendship. And we, we never know the end to this story. You know, so, so we're with both middle and high school age kids. It's fun to see the changes. So there might be some changes in middle school that then look totally different by the time they get to high school. You know, so, so you never know the end of these stories, especially as kids are growing and changing so much and learning these friendship skills that we talked about. Yes. And again, so how can a parent support a child through that process? Because, you know, their parents are like, oh, it'll be okay. And we know that's the last thing that a child wants to hear. So, you know, you've given some tips, but, I, you know, speak to a parent. This is happening. Your child comes home and they're just beside themselves because something happened in their friendship. You know, maybe, you know, Janie said something to Susie that you didn't want told or, you know, or friendship went from that to acquaintance. Like, how do you help your child navigate through that? Yeah, one thing that is really helpful, especially when you're working with preteens and teens, is to stay really grounded in yourself. So sometimes when our kids walk in and they're really, you know, emotional and upset, it's easy for the parent to get right on that too, you know, and they have a big emotion too. But if we can stay grounded, you know, that then we're in a place where we can help them navigate that emotion. You know, so what I always look at my role is kind of a sounding board. So just, in, you know, staying grounded, encouraging them to just share and talk about what happened and talk about their feelings. Because when we actually start to put that into words, you know, we're processing out loud and we are making sense of that situation. So if parents can, you know, watch their own reactions, hold off on any advice and just listen, ask questions, stay grounded and see if you can guide that kid to just process it that process that out loud, you know, validate it and even say, oh my gosh, that sounds really hard. You know, we don't have to go in and solve it and fix it. We just have to acknowledge that that was really hard and uncomfortable and I'm sorry that happened. And there might not be much more to do at that point. You know, maybe later you'd circle back and talk about it more if they want to, but you know, just giving them the chance to, to process that and feel heard, that's a huge thing that we can do for our kids. Right. So, and also to validating their feelings instead of telling them, you know, they shouldn't feel that way or it'll be okay. And, you know, yes. all these things that we like to say that we think are helpful. Yeah. Cause we, we, we say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way, but they do. You know, the truth is that's exactly how they feel. And so it's not helpful. It'll shut down the conversation if we say, don't feel that way. Cause that's invalidating their experience and their emotions. Yes. It, oh my gosh. And that is so huge. It is so, so huge because, you know, and I hear it all the time, even at school, you know, oh, you'll be okay. It's fine. You know, instead of really just allowing the child to sit in that emotion for a bit and tell them, because you know what they say, what you resist persists. So allow them to receive that and allow them to accept it first before we can try to get them out of it. Right. Yeah. And I love you said sit with that discomfort because 
you know, sometimes we as parents just try to avoid the discomfort, but that by avoiding it, you know, we're not helping them learn how to navigate discomfort and life is full of discomforts, you know, like there's a lot of discomfort. So by sitting beside them with that discomfort, we're letting them know, hey, yeah, that's that was uncomfortable and that was hard, you know, so just acknowledging that is, is important, too. Yes. Wow. Thank you, ma'am. Now, you talked about big feelings earlier. So I'm having a big feeling and I say something that I shouldn't have. And, you know, because chapter five, oops, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you reel that back? What do you, how do you recover from that? And, you know, just first off, that's so common, you know, not only for kids, but adults, you know, that you know, there is a big reaction in our brain and we just say something or do something that we later regret. So, you know, let's acknowledge that that is not an uncommon thing. So, you know, if when this happens with kids and their relationships, you know, and they say your son or daughter comes home and they really did something that they're not really proud of or said something. So, you know, try to avoid shaming them, you know, to acknowledge that it probably was this big emotion that, that got the better of them and they just let that go. Um, help them again, back to settling. We're staying grounded. We're helping them process. We're listening, you know, helping them get regulated, you know, so they do have some control of their emotions and then thinking through what they might want to do. You know, one thing that I'm always so inspired with kids is the power of an apology. You know, kids they're, they're better than we are as adults by, you know, accepting apology and moving on. You know, they usually have a lot less baggage than adults. So, you know, a, a nice and sincere apology can often really heal something. So, so if that's something that your child is open to, given that situation, helping them talk that through, you know, and, and you know, they can maybe the next day circle back, you know, and share in a sincere way that, you know, hey, I, I, got really upset and I said this and I'm so sorry I did that. You know, next time I'm going to do this differently. So teaching them the art of a sincere apology is is a, is a great skill too. It is. But the other thing is, how do you really teach sincerity? Because I remember one time I was at a preschool and a young man did something and the teacher said, say sorry and you better mean it. And I thought, okay, first of all, it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And, and and usually like immediately when they still are dysregulated, they're not even there yet. You know, so that's why I think this comes later once they have regulated themselves, once they've had a chance to maybe feel some regret and think through what they might say. But learning a sincere apology is a skill, too. And I actually have this laid out in the book. You know, so first we acknowledge what we did. And I am so sorry I blank. You know, I maybe explain, you know, the motivation behind that, you know, I, I, I was upset and this happened, you know, but then I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, that they don't deserve that and that you, what you're going to do different next time. You know, so to me, those are all really important components to getting to a sincere apology, not just I'm sorry, you know, when you're actually not, you know, the kids are so onto that. They know when the apology is sincere or not. So so it, it probably is not happening right in that moment. You know, it probably is coming back later once once the child has settled and thought this through. Yes, makes so much sense because I know I've told parents 
not to force a child to say that they're sorry because make them mean it. So, you know, have them ask the other child if they're okay. You know, that's that even though it's insincere, at least it's more, I don't know, you're not trying to relay some false empathy. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Just say, how are you in that moment? If that's all they can do is check on them. That's a great place to start. Yeah. Cause it, you know, again, like somebody said, empathy is caught, not taught, but I know you can teach through books like yours exactly mm-hmm. how th- that can, that skill can be developed. So, and we need and more this, of those. Yeah. And of course it's developmental, you know, if they're little, little, you know, the, the sincere apology is is not going to sound the same as if you're 16, you know, so so all of this is on a developmental scale, you know, based on what kids are ready for and can handle. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah. And we have to always remember that because so often, you know, I find that sometimes we try to get children to do things that we can't even do ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so true. This. Yeah, and I I just always question parents. It's like, okay, how have that? How has that worked out for you? Well, how are you doing that? Well, okay, so because yep. again, it's that model. If you're not able to model it, it's going to make it more challenging for your child to acquire that skill. Yes, it's so true. So if we if we as parents have given sincere apologies, you know, from the time they were toddlers, you know, by the time they're preteens, they're going to know what that sounds like, you know, they're going to have heard their parents say this over and over. So that's a great training tool. It's just by doing this ourselves. Yes. And it's really okay to apologize to your child. It is. Oh, for sure. Modeling that because, you know, a lot of people, well, I'm not going to, they're my child. They're a human being that you're training into an adult. Yes. And it's so healing, you know, because we mess up too. You know, and if we don't acknowledge when we mess up, it it just puts a little, you know, uh, a black mark on that relationship until we acknowledge that and repair that. So yeah, I, I, I'm all about, you know, owning my mistakes, you know, especially, you know, with my kids, because we all mess up, let's face it. And it teaches them that it's okay to mess up, you know, that you can recover from messing up which is such a valuable tool because I know there's some children I work with who, when they make a mistake, it is over. Yes. You know, they cannot manage making a mistake. They can't handle it. So, you know, I make mistakes and be real nonchalant about it just to model that, you know, oh, I'll make mistakes. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, that's why I like to frame even friendship skills uh, with a growth mindset, you know, because they are skills. So just like academic skills, you know, our our social emotional skills, we learn over time and it takes practice and we mess up. So if we can frame that with our kids that, hey, these are all skills and we're all learning these, you know, we're all, all figuring this out. You know, it takes some of that, um, the perfectionist out of it, or you should know this, you know, because we're all working on this at our own pace, you know, given our own strengths and weaknesses so you know that that's helpful for kids now to know that you know just like their academics their social emotional stuff is it's learned skills that take practice yes they do and another thing i want parents to practice and you know i'm going to go to chapter 10 because we parents don't take care of themselves enough i think they're always so focused on their children so you know, here, chapter 10, taking care of myself during rough patches. How can I do that? 
And so I'll talk about this from the preteen teen years, because this I, I do love to talk about this with kids because you know, we don't teach self-care much either. So, you know, we all, as we talked about, we all have some really uncomfortable times. You know, maybe a friendship is in a really bad place, or maybe we just had a bad fight with our parents. So acknowledging that that discomfort, those big emotions in ourselves and realizing the first thing we need to do is probably a little bit of self-care so we can get to that place where we are doing what needs to happen next, you know, but by acknowledging that and figuring out what would help me get back to a better state? You know, is it me just needing to put on some music in my room and, you know, drawing? Or is it me taking the dog for a walk? You know, getting so, so for everybody, there's going to be different things that we do that helps us get back to where we're feeling regulated, to where we're feeling more grounded, so we can think clearly, so we know what to do next. Yeah, so I'm a big one on self-care and starting young. You know, so teaching young ones, it's okay to take a time out and figure out what you need to do to, to start to make yourself feel better. Right, and I love that you put a positive spin on timeout because I'm not big on timeouts because Again, you just send a child off somewhere. There's not, it's not a consequence. The child is not learning anything from that. But taking a time out to take care of myself, that that's a whole different thing. And that is, it's more powerful. It's more, you're really actually serving yourself in that instance. So thank you so much, Miss Jessica, because I've never quite, you know, um, not for children. I usually tell parents that they need to take a time out to breathe because they're, you know, um, escalated and they need, you know, they were triggered by something. So, so I just go take a moment, breathe, you know, come back, but I've never really encouraged children to take a time out for themselves. So. Yeah, you're right. That term sometimes does have some negative connotation. So we can call it a pause. You know, we can call it a time in. We could call it just, you know, whatever, whatever works, whatever name works. But it really is just time to nurture ourselves, you know, so we can get back to feeling okay. Absolutely. And again, so, so, so necessary because if they don't learn it as they develop, it's going to be very difficult later in life as Parents, you know, because you're having a hard time taking care of yourself because you didn't learn this thing while you were, right. you know, developing. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. So I want to be mindful of your time. I'm trying to do that. So what's one thing that you would leave, would you want parents to leave this moment with, Ms. Jessica? Ooh, um, I think that go easy on yourself too. I think we as parents can be really hard on ourselves. So since we were just talking about time in or times out or quiet time, just realizing that we as parents are also doing the best we can with our current skill set and resources, you know, and, and just like friendships and the friendship pyramid, this is always changing. We're always changing and growing. So, you know, just start from where you are today you know, go easy on yourself and just keep doing the best you can. Um, cause, cause that's, that's what we got. That, that's what we got to offer our kids is, is the very best we can. Absolutely. And I love some of those time out, um, tools that you use very simple, you know, take the dog for a walk or you go for a walk yourself. Like they're just very simple things that you can do in the moment. Yeah. So. 
And, you know, just using that as a model too. So say you are really worked up and you're in a conflict with your teen, noticing that they're like, whoo, I notice I'm getting really frustrated right now. I don't want to say or do anything, you know, that I, I'm going to later regret. So I'm just going to take five minutes, take the dog around the block for a walk and, and let's, let's, you know, reconnect when I get back. So just modeling that, not modeling, hey, I noticed this in myself. This is what I'm going to do. I want to make sure, you know, we are having this conversation in a way I feel good about and I'll get right back to you. So that's a great, you know, skill to teach kids too. Yes. And what better way than to model it? Because when they see you do it, they're more likely to do it. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Jessica Spear, I thank you so, so much for being here to help us on this journey of parenting with confidence because we all need it. And I love your closing remarks because again, parents are doing the best that they can. And we want them to honestly believe that these are not just words that you use. They, I know they came from your heart because it's really essential that we give ourselves a, a break and not be so judgmental. Yes. And thank you for all the work you do and being such a resource for parents because, you know, this isn't easy. As we know, this is not easy. I feel like this is one of the most challenging but exciting, you know, jobs we have is to be a parent and guide someone through. That's a big responsibility. So yeah, thank you for doing that for so many families too. Oh, thank you. It's honestly an honor. You know, dad complained this morning that he goes, oh my gosh, I'm just dumping all my stuff on you. I said, listen, sir. If it was easy, I would not have a job. And I signed up for this. So yes, you know? yes. <laughs> it's an honor for me as well, for people to trust me with their child and trust me with their families, really, because it's about restoring the family unit. So, yes. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much. And maybe we can chat again. Because you do have another book that we could talk about. <laughs> for sure. Yes, we could talk all about middle school. So I'd love that for yes. sure. All right. So look forward to having you back. Thank you, Teresa. It was great to chat with you. Thanks. It was great chatting with you as well, Jessica. Uh...